All right, Philippians chapter one. I'm so excited about this uh, series that we're gonna be in and we were planning it out this week and it's gonna take us uh, quite a bit of time. We'll be in the 2018 before we finish Sunday nights in the book of Philippians, but it's gonna be good. It's uh, again, as I said last week, four chapters, not a whole lot there um, as far as verses go, but it's a letter to a church. And if you were here last Sunday evening, you saw me place a lot of emphasis on just, just how big and special that is. God writes letters to churches, and churches are, are, are God's baby, if you will. It's God's bride, God's, God's family, and, and so we matter. I want to remind you that God has given the church very clear instruction on what we are to be about. We are to be disciple makers for the glory of God. Now, we can reword that and change that up, and granted, every church has in their mission statement and vision and all of that, but that's what we're to be about. We are to be obedient to God in making disciples for God's glory. Everything else that we do better be working toward that end. And everything else that we're doing not toward that end isn't worth anything. You need to remember that. That's why it's good to get into God's word and come back to church. See, we didn't hear that direct, clear reminder this morning. And for those of you all that came back here, here tonight, we're reminded that again. I'm thankful, very thankful for, for Sunday evenings, an opportunity to have our souls fed by the word of God. So let me say that again, y'all. If we're truly a church, then we are to be making disciples for the glory of God. Our church's mission statement says that we exist to proclaim Jesus while loving and serving both God and people, okay? In, in, in all of that is doing this for the glory of God. That's what we get by loving and serving God, Proclaiming Jesus while loving and serving people is the type of on the, on, the, on, the, on the ground work of making disciples, being in people's lives, having relationships, pointing them to Christ, having them get more connected with Christ is discipleship. But that's what we're to be about. Okay, well, we understand that. You know the great commission and you know the great commandment. Love God and make disciples. You know that. I hope that you know that. We talk about it all the time. We know that. The Great Commission, make disciples, the Great Commandment, love God above everything else. But from there, we would have all sorts of questions, right? We do. From there, we would have all sorts of questions. And so we continue to go back to the Word of God. We know that God's heart is for this fulfilling of the Great Commission and, and, and obedience to the Great Commandment is to happen through his, his church, which is represented in the world in local churches. And churches like First Baptist Fairdale, like Valley View, like Mount Holly Methodist, like Southeast Christian Church, churches are to be the ones who are living out what God has called us to do. We know that. You guys know that. Y'all are faithfully involved in church, okay? You guys consider me your pastor, right? You look to me and you listen to me and we have a relationship together and, and, and we understand that much. And so we continue looking to the word of God to see how we can get better and better and better at that. 
more faithful with that, more faithful to that. More faithful with what? More faithful to what? Again, being God's people in this local church that are laboring very uh, specifically and intentionally and diligently to make disciples for the glory of God. I hope that you're as worried as much as I am that our church would not be about other things, right? I hope that your desire in us having a Wednesday night service is not so much because you can get dinner without having to cook or not so much that you can make some friends or not so much so you don't feel guilty about sitting home and watching more TV another night during the week because that's what you do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. But rather, I hope the reason that you're here on Wednesday nights is because you want our church to be a disciple-making church for the glory of God. You want people that come in contact with us to meet Jesus, know Jesus, love Jesus, and follow Jesus. That's what you want. And so that's why you're gonna be here this Wednesday night. Night, right, so that children are being fed into, youth are being fed into, so that we're here uh, working with adults, and so on top of everything else, we are praying, asking God to continue doing that, right? And I hope that you understand that's why we feed the football team too, right? Now, because that's a service to people outside of our, outside of our church, it doesn't come as easily, doesn't come as naturally, but that's still the same goal. That's the goal of everything that we do here. Don't ever get confused by that, all right? But in understanding that as a church, we look to how do we do that best? And so we continue going back to the word of God, and now we're in Philippians, And here at the beginning of Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes that he and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, are writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Well, we we get that. We've always gotten that. It's the church in Philippi. But he includes with that that in this church there are overseers and deacons, two terms that I hope you're pretty familiar with from reading your Bible, but perhaps not as familiar with through your practical life, through your church experience. But nevertheless, it's here, and now's as good a time as ever for us to look to it. Overseers and deacons. What are those? What are overseers and deacons? Well, I would imagine at First Baptist Church of Fairdale, we don't really have any confusion on deacons, right? That's not the one we're confused about. We have deacons, we've had deacons, we have lots of deacons, we have had lots of deacons, right? But overseers is a totally different thing. And so I wanna kind of begin tonight by raising to you a pretty clear concern. I don't know if I wanna say problem, but concern. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church in Philippi, and his opening line says, Dear church, believers and overseers and deacons. You ever written a letter and got stumped with the greeting? Probably not, maybe. I get stumped sometimes if it should be MRS period or MS period or MISS period. Paul wasn't at all 
stumped by this greeting. He's writing a letter to the church, okay? Say hey to all the believers, including the overseers and deacons. But if we were talking about our church, really at any stage, especially we're 101 years old now, just for clarity, our our birthday is not October. It falls just a great time to have homecoming. Our birthday is like August 12th or something like that. So we just turned 101 as a church. But if we were to say somebody wrote a letter to the church, to the saints at First Baptist Fairdale, we'd understand, okay, it's the believers. We've talked about that enough over the years to not be confused by what Catholics call saints. Saints are believers, and y'all know that. Somebody was to write a letter to the church and said, hey, tell the deacons I said hello, man. That'd be as easy as this, verse one, chapter one. But if I got a letter in the mail this week that said, hey, tell the overseers at First Baptist Fairdale that we said hello, we would all be like, what? Now, I would understand it, but I don't know if you would. And even if you understood the word, what about this? Who, who would you say hello to? If Jason Fowler was to write back to any of you all, if he was to send Miss Jetty a letter or, or Miss Faye a letter and said, hey, Miss Faye, Miss Jetty, how are you doing? I've just been thinking about you. I know homecoming's coming up, and we were there last year. Not going to be able to make it this year. But as y'all celebrate your 101st on October the 15th, would you please tell all those saints in Fairdale and all the deacons and all the overseers that me and Russell said hello? That could happen. That really might happen. But if he did, and he said, tell the, the overseers at the church to say hello, I wonder what Miss Jetty and Miss Faye, I wonder who they'd say hello to. Don't answer right now, but who would you? Would you be confused? And here's what I mean by this is a concern. Something as basic to biblical Christianity, something as simple to church as this has been missing in our church. I'm not gonna say it's necessarily a problem, but it's, it's a concern, okay? And that's what I want to speak to tonight, and we've talked about this a lot. The, the good thing about our Wednesday and Thursday morning men's Bible studies is that we spend so much time there every single week for two hours that we cover everything in the world. The bad thing about our men's and women's Bible study is that there's only about 30 to 40 people total that get to come. (laughs) So there's a whole lot of people that miss out on it. So a lot of times I can say, yeah, we've taught them that, and we've taught them that, and we've taught them that, but many people weren't there. So we have talked about what an elder is, and we have talked about elders and deacons, but but we just haven't covered it uh, on on a big enough scale. So tonight I bring up It's a concern. It's a concern. The fact that we don't know who we, what we mean by overseers and who those people are is a concern. But let me say it to you this way, and I don't, I don't mean to uh, hurt us much, and I hope that this won't. But last year, uh, in preparation for homecoming, we got this awesome project finished. Miss Anna Harris put it together, and on the wall downstairs we have that big, awesome frame of every pastor here at our church, right? 
28 pastors. That's a lot. I don't really know the math, but 101 divided by 28 is less than four, right? 28 pastors, average tenure, three years. You can't become very close in three years. You can't, come, can't become very strong in three years, right? You just can't. It takes a long time for us to have a relationship where I can come to you with the word of God and says, here's what I think you need to do according to the word of God if you're going to be faithful to God and for you to say, all right, Josh, I trust you. That doesn't happen overnight. Now, the word of God has its power, and so it can be happening whether I've been here a day or whether I've been here five years, but I'm saying that it takes a while to form a relationship. And so, listen to me, in 101 years, our church has seen pastor come and pastor go, pastor come and pastor go, 27 times so that we've not really ever been able to get super strong off of our leadership. And many times, I don't even know all the facts on this, many times when that pastor left, we didn't have another pastor. Many churches around us and in the world right now are really suffering. You know why? Because when their pastor leaves, it's taking them so long to find the next pastor. I can think of several churches in Louisville right now that the pastor leaves and it's taken six months, 12 months, 18 months to find the next pastor. And the church suffers. Not, not really good. Now, something else that's really cool that I, I want to tell you all about, I, I think... I was, I was voted in in September of 2009 as the pastor, which means that, that right now, I mean, today is September the 17th, which means that right now I'm finishing eight years as the pastor here, and uh, I guess any Sunday now starts my ninth year as the pastor. I think we'd have to go check, but that's getting me close to being the longest tenured pastor ever here which is both cool and odd. I'm 37. Y'all still think I'm young. I do not, do not feel young. I'm growing a beard and everybody tells me how gray it is. That means I'm aging. With that said, though, that means we have 101 years and a 37-year-old pastor's perhaps been here longer than any other pastor. That doesn't seem right. doesn't seem right. I've been here now about to start nine years as pastor, and that would make it 15 years total. And it seems to me like if I was to leave, it would be early, right? It would still be a little bit early. Like I'm not ready for that, or we're not ready for that, or would that be best? It'd be what? It'd be a lot early. Okay, so that's Patrick's feeling. I appreciate that, Pat. But I could respond in 101 years. Nobody's been here as long as me, right? 
Now, here's what I'm getting at. All of these things are concerns. Maybe the first thing was a concern that we didn't understand, and this second thing is somewhat a problem, but here's what I'm getting at. Those things, not understanding what the Bible means by overseer, is a biblical concern. We don't even understand this biblical category. But then secondly, practically, we've just not had a really good, strong foundation of pastoral leadership. And I know that's hard for me to to say that because I'm the pastor. And I know that I'm not a historian, and so that's maybe not fair to say it to everybody else. But just taking it at face value, that's what it seems to be. That's what it seems to be, right? I think so. It doesn't mean all those pastors were bad pastors. It doesn't. Now, when Paul writes here, he says the overseers, and it's plural. It's clearly plural. And he writes the deacons, and it's plural. It's clearly plural. What Paul knows about the church in Philippi is that there are multiple overseers and there are multiple deacons. Okay? In other words, this church was led by multiple deacons and multiple overseers. Okay? Now, before we get into it, I want to go ahead and say that really does seem to be the biblical model. That really does seem to be the biblical model of multiple pastors, multiple overseers, multiple deacons. That's what it seems to be. All right? Now, turn with me back to the passage we started with in 1 Timothy 3, and then let's get into it a little bit. At 1 Timothy 3, the passage that we started with, you have the qualifications here for overseers and deacons, okay? Same thing, overseers and deacons. But it's here where you start to really get into the discussion of what is an overseer. And so I want to go ahead and tell you right now, you've heard this many, many times, this isn't the first time, an overseer, a bishop, and an elder are all the exact same thing, okay? An overseer, a bishop, and an elder are all the exact same thing. Okay, it's used interchangeably in the Bible. Now, all three of those are, generally speaking, pastors. Now, a pastor is a shepherd leader of a flock, okay? A pastor is a shepherd leader of a flock, and so it's not faithful to say that those are exactly the same thing, but generally, those are the same thing, okay? An overseer, an elder, and a bishop are the same thing, and generally those things are pastors and pastors are those things, okay? Now, let's get into 1 Timothy chapter three. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So there we have it. This is an office in the church. It's an office in the church. Look at verse eight. Deacons, likewise, and then it goes through that description. Look at verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. In the New Testament, we have two and only two offices in the church. That is, 
overseers and deacons. In the beginning of Philippians, I said we have a concern that he addresses overseers and deacons, and we don't understand that. At 1 Timothy 3, he addresses overseers and deacons, and we kind of understand that because we have always equated that with the pastor, right? It's qualification for pastor. But I want to remind you that the Bible is always describing it in, in a plural. So what's the difference? What's the difference between the two? Well, let's look back at 1 Timothy chapter 3. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? An overseer is a elder, is a bishop, and they are pastors. And uh, overseers, elders, bishops, and pastors are those who lead the church. They are those who lead the church. Now, y'all get that. I know that y'all do. Y'all think of me as your leader. You look to me as your leader, and that that is very humbling to me, but y'all get that. So what I'm wanting you to see tonight is that that is a position that is separate from the deacons. That is a position that is separate from the deacons. You don't have this sort of stuff being described of the deacons. I want to show you two things here in this qualification of overseers. The first is at verse 2, at the end of verse 2, able to teach. There's a very specific qualification that we don't see listed in the deacons. He is a teacher of the word of God. A teacher of the word of God. If anybody is to be an overseer, he must be gifted by God and the Holy Spirit to be a teacher of the word of God. All right? But then look at that example that it gives there in verse five. Verse four, he must manage his own household well, okay? The way he is as a family person, dignity, submissive children, because look at this, it says in verse five. If someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Does everybody see that? So the idea here of an overseer is that he is called by God, placed there by the church, acknowledged by the church to care for the church. I hope you agree, I hope you believe, I hope you are encouraged in thinking that I care for you and care for your soul and think about you. Even tonight, right now, as I'm thinking, soon as we get done, I'm gonna have to have a conversation with my wife about do, how can I get to Audubon tonight because Miss Dorothy Sturgeon is 94 years old and she's in the hospital and I need to get up there. I care for her. I care for her daughter, Miss Francis, who is a member of our church. I care. That's on my mind. It wasn't on my mind when we started. It wasn't on my mind today at five o'clock, but it's now on my mind. It's not going to go away from my mind until something changes. Pastors, overseers, 
care for the church of God. Now, deacons are listed here too as a different office. Let's look at it. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. A lot of qualifications there, but hardly anything about what they're supposed to do, right? A lot of qualifications there, but hardly anything about what they're supposed to do. In the overseer's description, you have able to teach that's not listed in deacon, okay? You could be a good deacon and honestly not even be able to talk. You could be a good faithful deacon and honestly not even ever teach, not ever say anything, okay? You don't have to be able to pray for the offering or pray on a Wednesday night or do any of that. You just have to be able to serve because what a deacon is, it's a position in the church that says we would like to take the lead and the church recognizes us as leaders in serving. The reason why God created that office, listen to me, the reason why God created that office is because the caring of the souls by the overseer is such a huge responsibility that the overseers need help in being able to care for souls. And the more and more that the overseers are freed up to care for souls, the stronger the church will be. One of the things that concerns me is for Miss Francis right now to be sitting in Audubon. She probably stayed there all night last night. She's probably gonna stay there all night tonight. Miss Francis herself is probably in her 70s. That's Dorothy Sturgeon's daughter. And she's sitting there, and I wonder if she's thinking, I ain't heard anything from the church. Nobody's called me. I ain't heard from Pastor Josh. He hadn't called me. He hadn't prayed for me. Don't know what he's doing, right? So you see the situations that come up in the life of a church. And there are lots of those, right? There are, there are lots of those. There are countless things that need to be addressed. And God created the office of deacon for these servant leaders to do as much as they can in serving the church so that the overseers can do what God has called them to do in caring for the souls of the people and applying and teaching the word of God to them. There are only two offices in the church, and those are the two offices. When Paul writes to the Philippians, greet the saints, the overseers, and the deacons, he's just saying greet the church, and then he just recognizes the leaders. If Jason Fowler's letter that I talked about earlier came to us, to Miss Jetty and Miss Faye, and it said, all that it just said, it said, but tell all those sweet saints in Fairdale that we said hello, and tell the pastors and the deacons we said hello. Well, that changes it a little bit, doesn't it? And at least maybe now, Miss Faye and Miss Jetty would be saying, okay, well, who all does he mean? You know, should he, is that just Josh, and why'd he put plural? 
Or is he talking about Josh Womble and Jake Beatty as well? Or was he talking about Joe too? Or was he talking about others? Right? See, these are the type of thoughts that we as a church need to be thinking about if we're gonna be getting stronger and healthier. Right now in our church, listen to me, there are people all over the place. There are lots of people who haven't been here in a whole year. They haven't been here one time in a whole year and nobody's contacted them. Maybe nobody's thought about them. They need to be contacted, right? Right now, there are people in our church that are getting divorced, going through a divorce, about to get divorced, and honestly, there's about a handful of them. In the last year, I can think of four, maybe five that are divorced, getting divorced, or about to be divorced in the last year. That's a lot of time to be getting involved there. Not to mention that we've probably got a stack this big just in 2017 of people that have visited the church and are really liking it and wanting to get involved. There's a lot to do here, isn't there? You know that. Now, beyond all of those heartfelt concerns, right? We need to visit all the shut-ins on Tuesday, right? We've got Dare to Care working our butts off on Wednesday, right? We've got... um, feeding the football team on Friday, right? We've got all of those things going on. Church does a lot, right? Why? Because Jesus could come back tomorrow. And the only solution is for people to know Jesus. We are laboring like crazy to help people know the Lord. We are literally trying to do everything we can with the right amount of energy and strength and be able to do it well and faithfully for his glory. We understand that, but we want to do a lot. Right now, it's not planned for us to feed the soccer team this week, but I hope they contact me and they say, hey, could y'all feed us? And then I'm gonna go to Miss Becky McBroom and say, hey, can we pull it off? And I'm gonna hope she says yes. That's how how I roll, and that's how we as a church often go, and I appreciate that because it would be another opportunity to welcome more people here into our church and for us to preach to them about Jesus. But it takes a lot, doesn't it? Some of you all, and I love you guys for it, are here all the time. Some of y'all are here, honestly, five days a week. This past Wednesday, a week ago, Linda Stivers officially finished as Property and Grounds, and as the head of Property and Grounds. Last week, I wrote her a big, sincere, heartfelt letter, email it was, telling her how thankful I am for her and how much she's done. Whether she did uh, a good job or a bad job isn't so much what I'm so thankful for. You know what I'm really thankful for? She put her all into it. She worked hard. She was here some weeks more than I was here. (laughs) She was here all the time. If you ever stop by the church, there's about a 50-50 chance that you're going to see Linda Stivers here. She was here all the time for the last four years. Every quote, every estimate, every plumber, every painter, every carpenter, every bug man, every kitchen, every single thing, she came out of her time, drove up here, did all of that to meet with them. And that's a lot, right? That's a lot. That's one person doing one little thing. And that goes on on so many levels. Well, think about this. Church 
and a growing church is so full and loaded with responsibility that we need to get better, intense on how to do it, how to do it well. And so we bring it back here to overseers and deacons. God has designed there to be two offices in the church. Overseers that are concerned with teaching the word and caring for people's souls. And deacons that are there by title, there by position, there by office and responsibility to be doing everything they can to put this overseer or overseers in a better position to care for people. Now that we've got those benches and plants and stuff out there at this entrance right here, you know, the way our church is set up, that, that, that doorway down there, whether we like it or not, is, is the main attraction, right? I mean, that's where everybody comes and goes. That door, even though it's a small doorway with a small hallway, that's it. That's where all the action is, right? If you want to get into the life of the party of our church, just go down there on a Wednesday or a Sunday, and that's where everybody comes through. Well, we've also got like one of these little like wind things so that uh, the wind circulates right there and there's always a pile of leaves there. I bet if you went out there right now, there are a pile of leaves and a pile of cigarettes from there to care and a lot of trash gathers there and it's a mess. And a lot of times I'll find myself out there trying to get it up and on multiple occasions, Mr. Doug Williams, a good faithful deacon of ours, will come out there and say, Josh, give me that. I don't want you doing that. And I'll just be out there not doing anything hard one hand sweeping, one hand dustpan in it. And Mr. Doug will come out there and he'll say, Josh, I don't want you doing that, you do that. And I say, I don't, I don't mind doing it. He'll say, yeah, I know you don't mind doing it, but there's probably something else you should be doing. Now, I'm not sure if you agree or not, but you should agree. Dan Pomeroy is now the chairman of the deacons, and I'm so thankful for him. Calls, texts, emails, even him taking me out to lunch now on a regular basis to say, hey, we're about to have a deacon's meeting. What can we do to continue to help you get into position to do your job well? I'm not sure if you agree or not, but you should. That's what deacons do. Deacons are a position without any real description in the Bible of what they're supposed to be doing because God has made them servants. They like serving, they get serving, they delight in serving serving so that the overseers and elders can go do what they do. Now, you understand that? Now, as a little side note on deacons because I know know y'all get deacons. There's not anything in here about deacons managing, leading God's church well. That's not in there, right? And there's also not in there able to teach the Bible. You you just saw that, right? Everybody following me? In the qualifications for deacons, there's not that discussion on managing the church well, and there's not the discussion on holding, uh, teaching the Bible well. So that's not in there. But what has often happened in churches is there's only one pastor And if there's only one guy, and he's a little young pup like me that started at age 29, and I had never been a pastor anywhere else before, I had never been anywhere to get any other experience other than Josh Powell in here, right? That's all I had. Are y'all really, really going to hand over every responsibility and power to me? 
I've been here 14 years and still don't have a single debit card or credit card or any card with the church name on it still in my name, right? So what happens, listen to me, what happens is one guy gets to be called the pastor. And if it's something that he can decide on, they'll let him be the one in charge. But whether they like it that way or not, what then ends up happening, because everybody knows one person shouldn't be in charge of 100 or 200 or whatever, what ends up happening then, on purpose or not on purpose, that power kind of shifts down to the deacons. Nobody likes to make decisions all by themselves. Nobody does. It's always good to get a second opinion, right? You've heard that phrase before. It's always good to get... Uh, checks and balances. It's always good to, to run that through somebody. You've heard all that stuff. So what happens is it just falls to the deacons. The next thing you know, there's this sort of governing going on in the deacons. Next thing you know, that pastor leaves. It's happened 27 times in 100 years here. Pastor leaves. Now what all we got? Just the deacons. Are you following me? The Bible's model is, listen to me, because we're way out of time. The Bible's model is, listen to me, that just like we have a group of deacons, there should be a group of pastors, overseers, bishops, and elders that are all doing and thinking the exact, the exact same way that you think of me. Now, we can talk practically about that at a later date. It's not gonna change the fact that I'm preaching. It's not gonna change the fact that I'm the one paid. It's not gonna change the fact that I'm the one that's here all the time. It's not gonna change the fact that, uh, of a whole lot of things. But what happens when you have multiple is all sorts of strengths come where there had been weaknesses. All sorts of strengths start to come where there had been weaknesses. All of the weaknesses that there are with one pastor, which we're very familiar with, which you're very familiar with, are there. Those are eliminated when you get multiple. Now, I'm not sure how many that is. I'm not sure how many that should be. But I'm wanting you to see that in Philippians, he says, greet the saints, the overseers and the deacons. Because at that church in Philippi, there were. Now, in the book of James, James says, if somebody's sick in your church, to tell the elders to go pray for them. Right? In the book of Acts, uh, in chapter 14, when Paul has just planted the church there, he says the first thing that you need to do is to get elders to lead the church, appoint elders. In the book of Titus, when Paul has left his missionary journey on the island of Crete and he's left Titus there and he writes a letter back to Titus, he says, Titus, here's the first thing you need to do. Appoint elders at the church in Crete. In Acts chapter 20, Paul calls to the church in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, and says, tell the elders to come here. I'm gonna tell them goodbye. Over and over and over again, the Bible is telling us what elders do, and it's always in plural. It's always in plural. 
Now turn to Acts chapter 6 and we'll be done. Now, this is not exactly church and elders and deacons. It's not. It's still very much so the apostles uh, starting on their mission work and setting it up. But it is a picture that models what the church's offices is to look like. So we do not have the labels. Listen to me. We do not have the labels of pastors and deacons in Acts chapter 6. It's still early after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has just come. The apostles are doing it. But without a question, according to the rest of the New Testament, this is a lot what pastors and deacons is to be like. Look at Acts chapter six. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now stop there. This isn't church, okay? It's not church in Acts chapter six, exactly. But it sure sounds very much like church, right? A complaint comes up because somebody's not having a need met. That's my job, right? That's not all of what my job is, but that's so much of what my job is. Okay? Complaints come up. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's a good complaint, right? If, 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 if I don't go see her tonight and I get busy doing stuff all week this week, and Miss Francis calls next weekend and says, my mom's been in the hospital now eight days and we haven't had anybody come visit, that's a good complaint, right? Right? Absolutely that's a good complaint and I'm glad she's making that complaint. I'm not saying it's a problem. Some complaints are good, okay? So that's, what we, that's the setting that we have here. So let's see what happens. And remember, listen to me, how many apostles are there at this point? Twelve. That's right, 12 apostles. Watch what happens, verse two. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples, <coughs> which that was a lot, and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, for time's sake, I really don't wanna get into preaching this whole passage to you, but it's so good to preach. Do y'all see that statement there? That doesn't mean they're lazy, that doesn't mean they're, ser- they're not servant-hearted. That doesn't mean that they don't have a work ethic. It is meaning that the ministry of the word and caring for souls is so important. That's what Doug means when he stops me from sweeping leaves and says, go make sure your sermon's right. Go make sure you're praying. Every single one of you may love it that I'll sweep the parking lot, but you ought to be hoping I prayed on my knees before I preached this Sunday. Who cares if there's cigarette butts? Anybody can get the cigarette butts. There's only one person that can preach the word of God next Sunday or, or is going to. There are other people, but there's only one that's going to. You understand? This is the setting here. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So here's what they do. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So it's a position. It's a responsibility to here serve tables. It could have been anything else in the world. What's the purpose of it? Why are they appointing this position? Somebody answer 
so that the apostles, well, see, it's not pastor and church, but it, it sounds just like it, so that the apostles could keep preaching the word. All right, let's keep reading. But we will, verse four, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, and it names them all off, verse six. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, verse seven. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So you see what happened there. A complaint came up. It was a good complaint. They needed to get better at that. But there weren't enough apostles to be able to serve all the tables. There weren't enough apostles to where they could do some serving tables and some preaching. And the preaching of the word and the ministry of the word and prayer is the most important thing. That's what gets people to heaven. That's what brings people into a relationship with God. And so what they did is they found other people. Now, the beauty of this And the beauty of God's design of overseers, elders, and pastors, along with deacons, is this. God makes it where some are like, no, I want to be this. And God makes it where some are like, no, I want to be this. I want to do this to you all all the time. I want to preach the word to you all. I want to to care for your souls. That's what I want to do. Doug doesn't. Doug wants to do... By, without even asking him, everything else he can possibly do, right? He's a deacon. God's called him to be one. I'm your pastor. God's called me to be it. But now, if those two things are so good and so needed and so important, now you see why it's also important that it's plural. Now, I realize that you maybe not thought about that that much. And I realize that you've seen it go pretty good without it being plural. But in the Bible, it's plural. And caring for the souls of many takes many. So that's why he addresses it that way. Pastors and deacons. And I think every church needs it. It's always plural in the Bible. So what I would like for our church is to continue doing what we're doing right now, continue looking to the word of God, continue seeking him in prayer, and asking God to make our church healthier. I want to end by asking you all in the coming days to be praying about that. I want to give you a little bit of a homework. I want you to go back and read Hebrews 13, one chapter. Hebrews 13 And with all that you've heard tonight, be thinking about this as you read Hebrews 13. I want you to remember the great commission, the great commandment. Our responsibility in people's lives is of the utmost importance. And if we want to do that, our very best, to the best of our ability, for the glory of God then we would do that with multiple pastors. Be praying about it. Read Hebrews 13, and may God lead us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the book of Philippians. And thank you, God, that here tonight we look at this, uh, um, 
obvious of overseers and deacons that he addresses in Philippians 1. Father, we want our church to be faithful to the scriptures. We want our church to be in line with the scriptures, and we want our church to be healthy. And God, it's kind of the elephant in the room that we get saints and we get deacons, but we don't necessarily get a plural pastor. Lord, I pray you'd lead us. God, I pray as I have prayed for years for our church that we would not get ahead of ourselves, but we pray you would lead us and guide us. God, I do pray that it would always be our church's heart and burden that we would do everything we do to help us connect people to you. Life is too short, hell is too sure for us to not take every minute seriously. God, I pray you would lead us. Lead us to being a healthy, strong church for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.